it's that moving away from that need to fit in to what everyone else is doing. And it's bringing in the ability to stand up for yourself and question and say no and fall on your face and get back up with pride rather than being embarrassed that you you may or may not be as good as or the same as everyone else. Hi, and welcome to Group Fitness Real Talk. My name is Will Brereton, and this is the podcast where we talk about everything that's important to instructors in 2022 and beyond. So first up, welcome back. If you're a regular listener, you may have noticed that we've been on a short hiatus. So welcome back to the show. We're going to be dropping an episode every second week through until the end of the year, and I'm really excited with the guests that we have planned. We're going to be covering a really wide range of topics that will keep you on your toes and give you a lot to think about as an instructor, so make sure you're subscribed. And if you find any of these episodes particularly useful, I would love for you to leave a review or share it with your network, either through social media or sending it directly. Now, we usually say this at the end of the show, but it can't hurt to remind you that recommendations are the best way for this podcast to grow. Now, on to today's guest, who is a fixture of the UK fitness industry, Jane Nichols. Jane is the creator of Freestyle Fitness Yoga, which is the UK's leading contemporary yoga program and is designed specifically for qualified fitness instructors. It's white-labeled at some of the biggest gyms in the UK, and it's the yoga of choice for many, many teachers and operators. Now, I think Jane is the perfect guest for us to jump back in with because, as you're going to hear, Jane is a card-carrying member of Team Real Talk. She doesn't beat around the bush with her views on where fitness has come from and where it's going. Now, my aim on this show is to always give you authentic, honest opinions from experts in the fitness industry. And for that reason, I'm sure you're going to enjoy listening to what Jane has to say. Today, I have a very special guest, Jane Nichols, who is an international fitness presenter, a business owner, and the founder of Fitness Freestyle Yoga. Now, Jane, we're going to be talking about being extraordinary later in this podcast, and I'm going to leave uh, the definition of what that means for a while. But what I'd love to hear from you, and I'm sure our listeners would love to hear, is your background in fitness. Tell me, how did it all get started? Okay, so I'm going to just spew all of this yeah, out to you now <laughs> because it's it's quite a long history now. So um, I came out of university with a degree in dance and English, and I could dance have gone and one English way or the separately, other. or yeah. dance and that was all together. Dance and English, it was two. It was when it was, this was a time when degrees where you could do absolutely anything you wanted to, and um, I did an English major and a dance minor, or was it the other way around? <laughs> And, um, you know, you must ask the question, what on earth can you do with that in the real world? So it was either journalism mm-hmm. and then a friend of mine worked in a gym. I got dragged into it and I started teaching group exercise. And that was the absolute beginning. Um, at the same time, fitness professionals were coming over from Australia and creating an industry out of a hobby, really. And I got bitten straight away. I was in the city of London at Cannon City and presenters started to pop up. And I thought I'll have a bit of that and started. Wait, um, you so you started your career at Cannon City in on yeah. Cannon Street? That's so crazy. That was the very first place that I taught when I came to London in 2007 as well. <laughs> I tell you what, well, it was the, as I've started at that gym, let's be honest. <laughs> it was the place everyone went to. It was the it place was, to be, you're right. It was the place. Who was the coordinator when you came? Well, 
Jenny Jolliffe was the head, I think was the coordinator and had, oh, and just passed over to Matt Thraxton kind of in my first year. <laughs> no, see, this is how we link. You see that your entry, did you come over with Les Mills? I didn't. I came over just with me, but I was teaching Les Mills at Cannon City. As you entered the door of Cannon City, I was being booted <laughs> out the door by Matt Thraxton. Previous podcast guest, Matt Thraxton. <laughs> Matt Thraxton is my nemesis. Really, <laughs> he is. So Matt came in and Sarah, uh, we were king and queen and whatever. I'd been on that timetable at Cannon City. We ruled Cannon City. Matt Thraxton walked in and just cut me off the timetable. Just <laughs> cut a load of us off the timetable. <laughs> now, now, let me tell you. The, I always refer to this in when I speak to people and when I teach this time in my career, and it was so pivotal. Pivotal. So it was when Les Mills came in, and we. I always refer to it when a juggernaut is coming towards you. You've got choices. You can either get on board, jump out the way. Yeah. Or get killed, <laughs> and, and that was the, and that and and Matt Thraxton really is the metaphor for that metaphor because he he put me at that junction in my career. So let's backtrack up. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel I, like we jumped ahead quite a little bit. So what what, what yeah. did you start? What was the first class you taught? What did you what what was the very first genre that you were teaching? Well, I taught all of the classes: aerobics, body conditioning. Um, I can't remember which came first, probably aerobics because I came straight out of ETM. But as a presenter, the first thing I did was slide. Oh, I was actually just watching a video <laughs> that had slide on it. That was before my time, I have to say. I never, Everything I never, I'm I never did the slide thing. Before your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was the way in. It was the foot in the door, and I did love it. But what I really wanted to do was step. Can you describe for the listeners who um, may or may not recognize Slide exactly what Slide was as a class? Okay. I'd love to hear you describe it. <laughs> okay. So the Slide is, imagine a piece of shiny fabric that yeah. you would be able to slide upon. Not in normal, because let's do it first. It's about, I would say it's about five foot long. Mm -hmm. And then there's a stopper at each end. Mm -hmm. So this is only slidable if you put, imagine, a shower cap <laughs> yeah. on each of your feet. So it was an attractive tied up with thing a, Tied up do. with a little string and bow, effectively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've got a shower cap on each feet and you would just slide to slide and try and get a mambo pivot cha-cha-cha in at some point without killing yourself. It was <laughs> yeah. just great fun. It's quite a good workout. Completely it is because you're basically squatting for the entire time, right? Because in order to well, get the slide across, you have to kind of sink down into the legs. Yeah, you do. And also, totally nothing functional about it whatsoever, <laughs> unless you turn to the side and try yeah, and yeah, run yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. Bizarre. It was a bizarre thing. And obviously, it was short-lived. It, was, it wasn't so much a fad. Someone called Linda Rayner was queen of slide. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I came up and worked for a slide company and um, went around doing all the training. But it wasn't what I wanted to do. At, at that time, I was thinking, I'm going to take step on. Mm -hmm. Because uh, the fortunate thing about, and we're jumping again, 
So let me just quickly backtrack. I mean, that's what we do Start. on this podcast. Don't worry. We, we jump about. Oh, we always get back on track, of it, track eventually. Let's, <laughs> let's get the, Let's build the proper picture. So as soon as we started presenting, I started working with FitPro, and I also became sponsored by Nike. Mm -hmm. So we created a team, and we were Nike Fitness Athletes, and that was such a great thing. And that's where, we, where we'll come back to about being extraordinary, because at that time, we had the luxury of huge brands being interested in the fitness industry, and want because it was a new industry, mm -hmm. they wanted to get their foot in the door. So they 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 used the likes of us um, to to push their product. And a time and because, before social media, when instructors maybe had more influence just by virtue of being up in front of a group of people, right? <laughs> yeah, we kind of earn the influence in a way. It's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. really strange. Um, they but they gave us that platform to do it, and um, that gave us confidence. And in doing so, I mean, we travelled the world with Nike, and we did amazing amazing things and when you're doing amazing things with an amazing company it's much more easy to be amazing mm -hmm. rather than if we come back to the crux of why we're here rather than all struggling to be amazing on a platform of people who can just tell you they're amazing without as i'm sure we've all we've mm. all experienced on social media so um being with Nike was, it was just an amazing, amazing time. Probably the reason that I'm not married or don't have children <laughs> because there was so much, many better things to do at that time with these companies. So, and we were sponsored by Red Bull and we were sponsored by other people along the line. Um, and this was all during my time at Cannons mm -hmm. when we were flying high as what in what has been called freestyle. Now, a lot of people that listen to this, they weren't around in the freestyle era. They don't know that you used to walk into a studio and make it up as you go along. Right. Yeah. I, say, um, like, I guess there's people listening to this who potentially have never really known of that as a as no. a like a way of teaching classes so describe for me a little bit what you consider to be freestyle versus pre-choreographed or pre-designed like for, for anyone here who has come in through the lesnals roots or through zumba or through something that's pre-programmed and pre-packaged what 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 is freestyle in your mind so let me give you the best example at cannon city which we both know um the manager was ian martin who went on to open um it's now third space, the Reebok Club. Yep. He called me into his office one day and he said, have you seen this thing that's come out in America? It's called a step. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think we should do it. So we actually built steps out of wood. Yeah. And we put them in the studio and he said, well, you've got the steps. Now go out and teach the class. Yep. And that is how I taught myself <laughs> and the people of Canons to teach steps. And, right, and so this is this is before there were even classes to teach you how to teach step. This was literally just a here's yeah. your apparatus, go for it. Yeah. So we and then we created the course. Yeah. And then we, you know, we went out. I mean, we probably created step in the UK, and then people like myself, Michael Steele, went on to kill it mm -hmm. because we just <laughs> got crazy. We were doing stupid things. Stu the more people during the step era. If I had a pound for everyone that I put off exercise for life, 
I'd be multi-millionaire. Oh, wow. No, that's terrible. That's our, That's the motto we have at Shift is fitness for life. But you say you put them off. Tag, explain to me how you put them off. I'm really because curious. Because it was so complex. Too, too difficult. I trained as a dancer if we go back right. to Right. So we're and doing the full like down. step, ball, change, twist, over the top, touchdown. Over the top, <laughs> underneath, yeah. with a backflip as you go around the corner. <laughs> and I don't care if you can't do it. If you can't do it, just step touch. Yeah. <laughs> We'll catch you around on the on the 32 count. Yeah. I mean, there were great heady days and there was a small percentage that just lived for it. Mm-hmm. That's the difference as well. The passion was so high then. It was a market for it. Yeah. There's actually a really interesting, this is a little bit of an aside, but we can maybe put it in the show notes. There's a um a a guy in America and he does a thing called Hip Hop Extreme Step. It's either called Hip Hop Extreme or there's step in the name somewhere. Um, but he's this really muscular black guy, super funky, and he doesn't do super complicated choreo, but his classes look amazing. He teaches in big warehouses and they're like full of two or three hundred people. And it's that kind of energy, right? Like people loved step. At its height, it was it was absolutely beloved within the industry. Wasn't it? Because as well, it is functional. And mm. I used to do one to drum and bass. And you know, drum and bass has got that running. You've got yeah. that slow running. And on all the the entire class, we would do the choreography, but you'd be kind of jogging through it to this drum and bass. And it was it was like a drug. It was just the best thing if you could do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a limiting factor, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it was a limiting factor. And we were so stupidly young and 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 naive and rude but there was a general like um a general approach and this was definitely still the case when i came into fitness and fortunately it's something that's changed as because it was also a very young industry right like back in the time like if you think that the 80s was when when sort of gyms and fitness sort of took off in a big way in a commercial way so like in the 90s it's still pretty young and there was definitely a go hard or go home mentality which was you know you come in and you do the class if you can't do the class well then maybe you shouldn't be here and like it's a completely different mindset to what it was it was actually a mindset that I thrived in like I loved (laughs) I wanted I wanted to go to class and I wanted to be the one up the front doing the highest kicks and the biggest tank exactly. and all that sort of stuff but I was also you know 18 when I started <laughs> and yeah. so I had a much different approach to the world of fitness and the importance of fitness uh when I was that age to what I do now <laughs> but and this is also my other point that also matched the zeitgeist of that time it was Thatcher Thatcher's era and it was that time where it was like I'm gonna see it and grab it Mm-hmm. See it, take it, capitalize on it, make more, make more, make more. So, you know, go hard. I loved go home. If my teacher had said go home, I'd know you go home. And then we become <laughs> firm friends. Whereas it became impossible to say go hard or go home in, in fitness classes for fear of offending someone, which took on the zeitgeist of, zeitgeist of the millennial era. Mm-hmm. So how long, so like, well, take us back to the international presenting. So were you presenting step, all different modalities? Well, was it, was it a My biggest or? was Stefan Aerobics. Yep. They were my things and the faster, the better for me. <laughs> uh, people used to call it pocket rocket. I used to hate it then, but I wish someone would call me that now. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. Yeah, Stefan Aerobics were my main thing. And also I knew from day one that I wanted to educate. I mm-hmm. always wanted to change things for the better. 
and pass on that change. So I never wanted to do the same thing. And I never really, um, I've talked about this a lot before, I never was in it for the chocolate medal. Do you understand? <laughs> the, partic- the participation? Well, no, it's it's something that Rachel and I, Rachel Holmes and I, the title cultivated. You know, you'll know this. You know, sometimes when presenters get up on stage, it becomes about presenting and being adored and yep. the yeah, ego yeah, yeah. of it. That never interested me. Yeah, we've talked about this on the podcast before. I have to admit, there was a and this I I hold my hand up. Part of the reason that I got into it is because it wasn't so much that I that I wanted to be adored, but I certainly had a bit of an ego that I enjoyed being. I enjoyed being up the front and and showing people how it's done. And that is something that like definitely fueled my motivation to like pursue through the industry. And it made like, it wasn't all a bad thing because I think I was delivering really good classes and it made me want to be really, really good. And it was a time when, um, when, you know, before social media, when I was watching the best in the industry thinking, I want to be like them and I want to do those opportunities. And it made me much better. But it's a it's definitely a different mindset to sort of what I have now, and also just a different mindset to the industry because of the way fitness is delivered now. Um, it's like there's so many different ways that people can access it, and the the way you kind of visually look or your social media account is so much more important than it used to be. It used to just be about <laughs> yeah, you're like how good your class, how good your connection, how good your charisma, and that was it. It didn't matter if you had a big following or if you looked good in a pair of sort of leggings. It's so true. And you see, that's evolved and evolved and evolved until it's become a bit of a problem, Mm. hasn't it? Um, And I don't think there's anything wrong with having an ego that wants to get up and be in front of those people. So I don't know about you in real life, but I'm quite shy in real life. But what I found from being a presenter is what I didn't like is the aftermath of that. With you know, still to this day, if you're on a course with me, you can call me any day of the week and I will talk to you for an hour if you want to talk about the course. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to talk around that, I don't like all the things that go with it. Got it, you know, the you know, leave it at the front door. I I have a friend now that, that keeps telling people they're wrong all the time, it's so weird. And I and I said, I learned in my career that you know, you can think that you're the best. Actually, you can know that you're the best, but the day that you start behaving like you're the best right. <laughs> is, is the day that it's all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 I and that's why this this industry has been so kind to me, and why it's been financially rewarding and professionally rewarding. Because if the chocolate medal was what people wanted, the money and everything else about creating a business was up for grabs mm-hmm. and 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 for some reason maybe it was just time and place it became very easy for us to set up a business and just keep ramping that business forward more and more and more which is so, my interest right so that, that actually brings us quite nicely into what i wanted to talk about was so tell me a little bit about um the business that you own now and also uh, freestyle fitness yoga and how that works in with the other things that you do around training because i was um i was reviewing your website before but i'd much rather that rather than me give a a down low on what i read you explain to our listeners um exactly what it is that your business is and and how you came up with the freestyle fitness uh, freestyle okay. yoga concept so um as 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 it, this ties in beautifully, you've asked that question at just the right time. So, um, along with presenting, do you remember I said I always wanted to change things and educate? 
Um, I started doing a lot of educational workshops um, for the business that I had with Rachel Holmes, which was Athletes in Action. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did quite a lot for Nike and we did quite a lot for FitPro. And the next progression for that, for me, was to start providing qualifications. And again, at that point, that was quite easy to do. So I hooked up with Active IQ and started providing, um, I think it was Exercise to Music was the first one. Good old ATM. (laughs) Oh, and it's still. And you know what is really? I don't believe in the universe and all that shit that we talk about in yoga. (laughs) I really don't. But still today, ETM is my most popular and most saleable qualification. Ah, really? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So there's something. There's an authenticity there that goes hand in hand. That is Mm -hmm. my. It was my first love, my passion. So I started um, doing. qualifications and mm-hmm. that's where group x training is now we've moved it and, and the, the the majority of what i do is online qualifications yeah so at this time rachel holmes and i were going on tour twice a year uh, presenting masterclasses or workshops and um, in the year 2000 as pilates and yoga were really starting to emerge in our ignorance with our ego uh, uh, ramping high <laughs> It was like, well, one of us does yoga, one of us does Pilates, and we just picked which one. And then we <laughs> created this thing. You mm-hmm. you know, how rude. You were just to have, I don't know what it was that allowed, that made us do that. But we, we went on tour. She did a version of Pilates, and I did a version of yoga. And we loved it. So we created a program called Equilibrium, which failed. And that was how freestyle fitness yoga and fitness Pilates was born. Interesting. So, like, I, take me back to the failure because I think that, like, I, as someone who has started a business and who, like, is now finding it a little bit easier, it was really extremely hard. And I think it's quite useful, especially now that you've obviously found success in what it turned into. Tell me a little bit about, like, what Equilibrium was and why you think it failed, just because I think it, these stories are this kind of stories that people often don't talk about, but they're really important for people to understand not to get disheartened when something doesn't work because it's not oh, necessarily God, no, failures are the best thing ever. Yeah, totally. Um, so this failure, well, I can tell you exactly why it failed, because we were ignorant. So we thought, <laughs> okay, Pilates and yoga go hand in hand. It's this new softly, softly thing. Actually, Pilates and yoga just keep smashing one another in the face. You cannot put them together successfully. So Rachel would be saying, right, I want you to pull your navel to your spine. And I'd get on and say, don't pull your navel to your spine. That's ridiculous. <laughs> And then she'd be saying, breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And I'd be saying, breathe in through your nose and out through your nose. Everything we said clashed. Got it. It just didn't make sense. And the bizarre thing was, if you then fast track, uh, it'd be about 10 years ago, that we created Nova, you, a program called Unite. Yeah. That turned into Nova for Virgin Active, yeah. which was exactly what Equilibrium was meant to be. But obviously, that was so many more years down the line that we right. knew the products inside out, and we could yeah. do it. And people, people were more more open to sort of blended formats, and I guess things like body balance and in the states, pio and exactly. other things that like warmed people up to the concept of yeah, because they they do kind of go together, and that it's a it's a similar type of person that is attracted to that type of workout, right? Like there are certain similarities, but I can understand, particularly coming from a purist background, when when 
um, genres were a little bit more separated out, <laughs> especially yeah. if you're trying to create an education around it, right? Because education needs to yeah. be consistent. <laughs> but it was also at the time that Rachel and I were splitting up from the business because our personalities, we were so different, yeah. then we became the same person and then we were becoming different again. So it was a good time. It was good that we did that and it was good that we split it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, Dean Hodgkin had come out with a program called fitness yoga so I couldn't use that title yeah I've got a business called freestyle fitness yeah so I took the name freestyle fitness yoga and put it onto my yoga program and And tell me a bit about sorry tell me a little Uh, bit about how this I I was reading about it before so I've kind of got a bit of a background but tell our listeners like the the sort of precepts of this freestyle fitness yoga like what is it that is definitional about your delivery and your style versus what other people might think of as yoga okay so how it differs from traditional yoga is it is completely contemporary and it was created for the fitness instructor so you have to be qualified to level two and have vocational experience and it takes the physical yoga postures strips them of everything that means anything <laughs> so well, the and indian then, the indian sort of names oh the... <laughs> god yeah uh, there's no sanskrit and unlike yeah. body balance i wouldn't also allow sanskrit translation because even then i do believe respectfully that if you want to use the language of yoga you must train to teach yoga right and so, yoga and yoga has like a pretty standard training style too right like it's the 200 um, 200 hours through an approved well, trainer and all that sort of thing is it was you see, I dispute that massively. Interesting. The two, yeah, the 200 and 500 hours was actually created about 30 years ago now. And it was put in place at that point to uh, make sure that people just didn't walk off the street and teach yoga. Yep. Um, so that was the minimal hours that it was that you had to go on a course and practice for. Yep. But, I mean, at that point, there was no World Wide Web. Yeah. Let alone anything else. So that you must see that 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 two hour, two hundred hour rule is so old. It doesn't really make any sense. It doesn't hold its head up anymore. What I'm hearing from you is that it's because it's designed for the fitness industry. With that in mind, with the principles of yoga, like I get the idea of doing two hundred to five hundred hours is to give you the skills to be able to deliver the class. But that's what yeah. a that's what a primary fitness certification is also doing. It's giving you the understanding of yeah. body awareness and what you need yeah. to be thinking about when you're delivering fitness or uh, fitness information or kinesthetic information to a user. Yeah, and the fitness instructor had that. Yeah, they've got it. They've done it. So. They would come to me, they would do a two-day course, and I would teach them the physical postures, but you have to prescribe those postures from the um, from the perspective of fitness. So it's got to mm-hmm. be a strength and endurance and flexibility, and it has to be taught in the language of fitness. Mm-hmm. There's no meditation. Mm-hmm. There's none of the more esoteric parts of yoga involved at all. I have to admit that I have um, I've gone in and out of yoga uh, in my life. I've done kind of years where I've made sort of one or two classes a week. I've never really gelled with the more kind of mind body transcendental um, side of it. I just make I, I've never felt like I always feel like a bit of a fraud when I'm <laughs> when I'm doing that kind of thing. Whereas, but I, the poses themselves, I really like. <laughs> Great, the I know. modality I of training is fantastic. I, I agree with you. And I was like that for perhaps, well, freestyle fitness yoga is, what is it, 
22 years old now. For at least 17 years, I was like you. Mm. And now I'm that person that I used to laugh at. Really? So you found yeah. yourself migrating oh. back into the what the, the mind-body element or the, yeah. the sort of mindfulness? Yeah, everything, the breath. I mean, there's so much of it. I, I don't like the received wisdom of yoga. I don't like the jargon of yoga. Mm-hmm. I still think fitness outweighs it in so many levels. When you say receive wisdom of yoga, I'm, I'm curious. I want to hold on that for a little bit longer. What 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 do you mean as an example of that? Well, if you go on a traditional course, you learn there's so many texts from yoga. Yeah. So one of the you know, the the um, Patanjali is this this figurehead of yoga, but we don't know whether this was a person whether it was a beast we don't know mm-hmm. whether this person it's very much like the bible we've we have fed this information but we don't know whether it actually right is right yeah yeah yeah. that's really so interesting old. so i don't know any of this history this is all quite interesting to me yeah the history of it is so far reaching because it crosses continents and time yeah and if i'm given that information i'll read it and i might find it interesting but it's not something that I ever say, this is what yoga is and this is where it came from, unless I've got a certain degree of evidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or that it's relatable in class. No yeah. one cares what potentially is. No one cares. <laughs> Interesting. Know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I always remember, and this, the, this, this thing of teaching in Sanskrit and the use of the Sanskrit language, I was teaching in the Reebok Club and I got a guy in and unusually, this guy could not do a tricep dip. Men just can do tricep dips. It's natural for them. <laughs> Somehow, you must have done it at school, I don't know, but you just do it well. But he dropped his hips. So I went over to show him, and he went, I think you mean a chaturanga. <laughs> and I said, do you know that in um, Sanskrit, chaturanga means chalk eyes? Means and he what? said, chalk eyes. We've got these ice creams. I don't know that you had them. You know, like ice creams that are covered in chocolate. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're called chalk ices. Yeah, and that's what chaturanga means. Well, I said, do you know that in English, chaturanga means chalk ice? And he went, oh, my God, I didn't know that. And I went, it doesn't. It doesn't, and that is why. Okay, you totally got me with that. I was was completely. (laughs) It means. I think it means crocodile. It's crocodile. Yeah, but. Do you know what I mean? That's why we don't use it. Because you have no idea what you're repeating back to me. <laughs> Hook, line and sinker for that one, Jane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad to see I had a point, didn't I? <laughs> but, yeah, it's this this whole thing of yoga, this thing that we're told that we have to use this language and this history is this and this means this. And the jargon of it I find quite bizarre and but I think it's this version of keeping it real and talking mm-hmm. to people in a language that they understand. Okay, using. so that much of your approach to yoga has has stayed the same in terms of the keeping it in a fitness context and using language that the average person, the average fitness user that may have been to another type of class would understand. But you've yeah. brought more of the, is it, would you say spirituality or do you think it's more like mind, body, mindfulness? Well, no, I've brought that into my practice. Freestyle fitness yoga still stays oh, okay, quite. okay, okay sterile in yeah. that um and anyone who takes the program no um the the term mindfulness comes in because again it's the john cabbard's in it's quite modern mm-hmm. um 
but no, no, there's no, there's none of that. Okay, yeah. none of it in freestyle fitness yoga. But what, what yeah. encouraged you to bring it back into your practice? I'm curious. Because I just love it. But you get bitten. I can't <laughs> give you a fault. Even answer. after all those I, years of, of practicing the, the I can modality, give you, I can give you a full answer. And the, and and the other the other greats besides me of yoga. This is now how I class myself talking about ego less. But a lot of the greats of yoga, say, for example, Iyengar or Patabi Joyce, are on record as saying, get the physical postures right and the rest will follow. But if you want to do true flow or true yoga, then the breath has to become important. You mm-hmm. can't get any further until you sort the breath out. And when you sort the breath out, you start to work on the energy processes because it naturally happens to you. So I became inquisitive about that. And then meditation became a bit of a passion of mine. So, yeah, the the things that make yoga great all became of interest to me. And perhaps, you know, 17 years of doing just the physical postures is enough. I wanted more. Yeah. And the things that yoga offers you, just go hand in hand with being amazing. And no, well, I was getting, I was going to say it's like it. It's always interesting when someone has a when someone's been doing something for a long time, yet is open enough to kind of allow themselves to find a new understanding of that thing that they're doing. And I was just going to say that that kind of leads us nicely into what I wanted to talk to you about and what we sort of spoke prior to doing the podcast about, which is how to bring that kind of extraordinarily or extraordinariness into your teaching. Yeah. So let's let's move on to that because we've been talking for a while. I could talk for a whole lot longer on kind of history of oh, fitness. Oh, I can talk sure. about me for hours. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm, I'm I'm sensing that. I'm sensing that. So I'm going to pull us back because I want to keep this at a, at a tight, yeah, yeah. tight, tight time length. So when when we talked about this and we talked about like what's something that you think would be really useful for our listeners to hear, and our listeners are obviously group fitness instructors and group fitness enthusiasts. Um, and you talked about being extraordinary. Now, tell me what you mean by extraordinary because I think you had a specific meaning in mind when you said that yeah and it's moving away from and every that let's come back to that word zeitgeist it's that moving away from that need to fit in to what everyone else is doing Mm -hmm. what you perceive everyone else is doing without you, you teach without question you talk without question you do things without question and it's bringing in the ability to stand up for yourself and question and say no and fall on your face and get back up with pride rather than being embarrassed that you you may or may not be as good as or the same as everyone else. So a, a big example and where I learned to do it quite well is taking yoga. And I was speaking to Adele Anderson. I'm sure you may know her. She was a huge Les Mills person. She said, oh, I'm just happy bastardizing yoga. And that's exactly what I did. And I was treated like that. The yoga people hated me. You know, (laughs) what we went through, what I went through, the abuse. And, and, And it's having the courage to say, actually, I'm doing this for the right reasons. And what I and I'm on a learning curve and I'm on a journey and I want to keep changing things. And. That does make you extraordinary because not everyone wants to do that. But what I want for the fitness instructor is that when you get up, 
in front of a group of people and you say the exact same person as the exact same things as the person, the next teacher and the teacher before you, there's nothing extraordinary about that. <laughs> and what happens is, Indeed. <laughs> and, and it's the reason that people buy into the product, not the instructor anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to like I, this is this is something that um, we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Um, so obviously, like I come from a pre choreography background. I'm a New Zealander, and I started teaching with Les Mills, and Les Mills is kind of the sort of the biggest global company for creating a product that is then sort of filtered down. Um, with Shift, what we do is pretty different. I think from my experiences with Les Mills, in that we want to create a pre-designed workout that takes the time away from the uh, instructor, so that they can kind of they can just grab our app and go and teach a class. But we're really not prescriptive when it comes to how the delivery is or the modifications that you do in front of you, or if you want to change the workout that we've given because the people in front of you are different. And I, I think that that is important and something that instructors have become much more aware of since the pandemic when they kind of had to rebrand themselves a little and maybe had to step away from that comfort zone of teaching that that name class in a gym where they could kind of just turn up and do it. Um, and so it's something we've talked about on this podcast. This podcast was born in the in the lockdowns of the pandemic as a bit of a how-to guide on negotiating your way through. And so we talked a lot about digital. What what do you so if if you're an instructor and yeah, I'm you're I'm an instructor of a uh, load of different types of classes. Some of them are pre-choreographed, some of them are freestyle, some of them are pre-designed. And I want to know what are the strategies that you would give me for stepping away from being ordinary and being extraordinary? What what what, what would you tell me? Like what are the okay, things that so an instructor should do? Take me step by step. So in this day and age, let's flip back to COVID and um, what happened in COVID is everything just came crashing down. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and I love it. Because, and we talked about this when we met. What you did in COVID is you started doing the podcast and you started talking and you started creating a new way forward. And I'm sure or I hope out of podcast that has played to your strengths and, and your new model. Is, is <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I love to talk. <laughs> yeah. And it, and, and it affects what you do now. But it, it COVID killed or changed everything about our society. It damaged their health. It damaged their work ethic. It damaged their finances. It damaged their income. It damaged mental health as well as physical health. And all of these things are there for us to pick up. Mm -hmm. But what's happened with the instructor is they've come out of COVID and a lot of instructors have gone back to wanting to teach classes where they taught before. Some people have capitalized upon the online and teaching mm -hmm. online classes. But the biggest difficulty has been in taking the step forward and changing the model, changing the prescription to help our huge target audience that are imploding right now. Mm. And, of course, that carries on from COVID, doesn't it, to the Ukraine war and what they say is the reason that we are going to be facing huge hikes in bills and that kind of thing. So the instructor what to, the instructor being extraordinary should be sitting there in my opinion looking at the just 6 months ahead and planning accordingly and instead of trying to fit their model to what we're doing to what to what is happening in society is to change the model 
and build something completely new while society is still in chaos so because what, we're not going to so get these the, so what's the model that you think is the best is the best approach like if you if oh. you were to if you were to give a rundown on what you think the the model that people should follow is bearing in mind obviously that like different people will have different strengths to play to but is there a thing in mind that you're thinking of okay so when it comes to okay let's talk about location yep is the ability to change location so we've got um, we can teach in clubs, we can teach in the community, and basically now we can teach online. I think they're the three most accessible, is to make sure you're doing a healthy balance of all those three things. So the oh, this is this teaching- is music to my ears because obviously I'm I'm a big proponent of license-free things <laughs> that, that instructors can use to teach anywhere. That's that's why we found a shift. It was like like uh do the training and then teach it anywhere because I really care about people making money. It's kind of I do. <laughs> but that's what I was gonna say. So payment from um the large operators, small operators is is at an all-time low. And yeah, especially when you acceptance. take into account inflation, <laughs> yeah. even even more so. Like it's already low uh, numerically. Like pay at Cannon City, for example, was much higher when I arrived in two thousand seven than when I stopped teaching there in sort of two thousand fifteen. Cannon City is the big. When I first started teaching, which was late eighties, I was paid twenty two pound fifty for a forty five minute class, and they gave me back to back. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and you know, but the pay is probably still that, no? <laughs> and like, sort I of, think it's lower than that now. Yeah, well, it wasn't yeah. nothing. It's Nuffield now. It's a completely different company. Yeah, but it, taking into account inflation, like the pay, pay, like we've talked about this a lot. Like this is this is a factor that I think you and I probably both agree on, which is clubs. Club pay is not good. But clubs are also not good like in terms of they all struggled during the pandemic. And I don't think there's a club on earth that doesn't wish they had the budget to pay their instructors more. But I also think that they like there's so many other things that are pushing on them. And the answer to me for being a successful instructor and having a business that you can actually survive on is to diversify and to not rely on clubs. And I think I, I kind of think that's where you're going with that. So maybe I'll throw it in and you can pick it up. Well, yeah, no, I agree with you totally. But it's the it's the acceptance as well. You know, you you bang your head. It's like when we talk about Matt Thraxton. I fought when Matt Thraxton booted me out the door as you were walking in. <laughs> I fought to get back. Yeah. What I should have done is just gone see you later. I wasted a year because yeah. nothing ever goes back. So if the money's not enough in the clubs, walk away. Uh-huh. But the other problem now is setting up in the community. All of the community centres are tripling their room rent, aren't they? Because of the bills going up. That's going to kill so many instructors. If you're teaching, you used to be able to teach between five and ten people and come away with £2.50 and say that's okay. Well, that's not going to happen anymore, is it? Yeah. And and a lot of people, a lot of instructors won't won't wear this. So we have to find somewhere else. Online is that way, if you can get the people, but then there has to be a somewhere else, and then that comes in with a something else. There has to be something else because step aerobics, combat, all the things we're teaching are not necessarily transferable when David Lloyds are still doing that really well. Mm -hmm. So then we have to re-educate and tweak what we're doing. So, you know, people don't have as much money, their mental health's bad, their physical health bad, their spiritual health bad. There's other things that we can start to put in and change the shape of our classes. 
Interesting. So, what? Like, t- tell me a bit about that. Well, like, what? What? What are those elements that you think an instructor could look at adding? If there, if someone's listening to this right now and they're already thinking, okay, I teach a couple of couple of uh, club classes. I teach a bit in the community. I have an online proposition, and this. That, and what's the what's the other things that you think they could be thinking about in order to continue to serve their populations and diversify their offer? Okay, so my biggest one is breath work. Okay. I cannot believe that breath work has not become the new boom industry because it, it, it just touches on all of those things that are collapsing in our society. I feel like yeah. breath work really had a moment um, sort of not long before the pandemic. I actually went to Ministry of Sound in London and did like a, a breath work class. I can't remember the guy's name. Was it with Caleb? Maybe, Yes. And it was, we were all like, we we're in the Ministry of Sound, which is iconic nightclub in Elephant Castle in London. And I was in oh, 2019. Well. So it was the year before, um, it was the year before the pandemic. And like, interestingly, it's, I haven't really heard so much about breathwork post pandemic as the recovery, but you're, you're absolutely right. And that all of the things that it brings and the reason that it was gaining traction are all things that we need more of, not less. Yeah, we do. We, you know, we need it. I know we need it. And yet, that it's not taken shape yet, and mm-hmm. it needs to take shape. And it, of course, it's something that's very easily taught online. It's a it, it's teaching the teacher to workshop and start talking to people rather than at them. Yeah. And I mean, it can actually change lives. Then you touch on things like mindfulness and meditation, which is a skill that's very different. We all breathe. I don't think you have to go on a course or <laughs> to 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 become better at that and then yeah. be extraordinary don't think i can't teach breath work because i'm not a breath work coach yeah you know we you, all you have to do is be two steps ahead of the people that you're teaching learn three different breath techniques and pass them on yeah um so it's that kind of thing what what else could they do um Outdoor walking has been done before. We did a run walk program with Nike. Just take things that are, are more simplistic that you can teach people to do that 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 are going to play into the next six months when people are mentally, physically exhausted and financially drained. Yeah, this is something that we've actually talked about on this podcast, and it's it's a recurring it's a recurring theme and a recurring factor. And I think it's because. A lot of a lot of the guests I have on are focused around like how does an instructor make money? And I think working for a gym is great. I think that teaching at a big gym is super fun, and it's really nice to be able to turn up and teach. But I agree with you that in order to make it successful and and meaningful long term, you can't rely on somebody else to control your career, like right? Because as you said, when you're at Canons, yeah. like someone can come in that has different ideas to you, and then they can just disappear. Whereas if you're at least somewhat in control of a couple of the like lanes of your career. It doesn't matter so much if one of those lanes closes down for a while or or shuts. Um, but one of the things that we've talked about a lot and that I am hearing and what you're saying is that we sometimes focus so much on all the things we did before and that 20% of people that were into exercise before who have all come back and it's it's a widening the widening the net to the 80% of people who maybe have an inkling that they need to focus more on their health post pandemic but don't really know how to do and are a little bit intimidated as how to get started everybody walks right i i saw a social media um a she's actually a friend of mine but i saw her social media account and she was asking her followers like what's if you could only do one exercise for the rest of your life what would you do and people were like dancing hit all this sort of stuff and my answer was 
like walk because walking yeah. is the one, walking is the one thing that I know I'm going to be able to do hopefully fingers crossed until I'm very old whereas I know that my ability to do dance and high intensity and weightlifting all of that's going to go at some point but yeah. if but walk, walking is the one thing that will always be there and it's the one thing that is not accessible to everybody obviously I'm, I feel very grateful for my um, for my continued kind of spinal health when I've had a couple of scares, but it's the thing that can bring people in. And it, it feels like fitness instructors um, could focus on that kind of thing more as a way of bringing additional members into their communities. They'd be extraordinary, learn how to package it. And if you mm. think they don't need it, let me tell you, I, I have a horse and I keep my horse a quarter of a mile just over mm-hmm. from the yard. So that's half a mile walk to take the horse out and pick it back or vice versa. And people on my yard orchestrate how one person can take the car so that they don't even have to walk one yeah. of the things. Yeah. <laughs> They don't, they don't get it. That, that my, 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 my dad, my dad is a, I've talked about, I think I've talked about him on the show before. He's a type two diabetic and I have tried every single thing I've like, and the one thing I just really ask him to do every time is just walk. All you have to do is walk, yeah. just, you know, get, get your steps in per day. I don't expect you to do exercise. Don't even mind if you struggle to change your diet because I'm aware that you're diet in the world and it's, it's really hard, but just do some more walking because if you, if you live in a big city, like I do, it's very easy to walk because it's very hard to do anything else. <laughs> you have to get to public transport or you have to pay exorbitant fees for cabs, yeah. whereas walking is free. Um, but a, a lot of people like our societies and our cities have been designed away from that kind of thing and towards cars. And I, I understand why uh, people use their cars, but yeah, if you can put a bit of walking into your life, which is the best thing ever. And if you're a fitness instructor, getting your community to walk more is a really great sort of entry point into getting them to do other stuff with you. It's absolutely true. And, and of course, then you're getting into their psyche and their mental health easily. And I can tell you for sure what happens when you don't walk, which is where my dad is now, you can't walk. Exactly. He can't walk. And and the, the best precaution against that, well, putting that off for as long as possible is to keep doing it, right? Move it or lose it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. If you don't use it, you lose it. It's a great, it's the old mantras are just the best, aren't they? <laughs> it's funny that I do have to say, uh, speaking of um, older people, my husband's grandmother um, has a whole lot of, she's French, uh, she has a whole lot of sayings and it is as as I've uh, spent more and more time with her, I've realized that all of those old adages um, that I used to roll my eyes at when I was in my early twenties, uh, they're almost all true. <laughs> all absolutely. I can't, I'm trying to think of an exact one, but you know, use it or lose it, and you know, they sort of uh, all of those things that you hear, they're they're really really true. It's true, and the worst thing is when you hear them coming out your mouth and you're <laughs> not prepared for it. <laughs> I, I think that. I think Jay that when you're at a level of experience um, that uh, that we both have that you can't really help yourself but uh, but do it right. <laughs> anyway, good. we've always been talking for an hour, and um, I have loved hearing your history and a little bit about what people can do to be extraordinary. There's certainly some themes that I've talked about before, so I always like it when guests come on and kind of confirm the thoughts that me and other guests have talked about because it means that we're yeah. onto something because all of us can't be yeah. wrong. Um, so I, before we go, I'd really love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about sort of how they can find more from you or where they can go if they're interested in any of the stuff you've talked about, um, like potentially like how to find out more about breathwork, that kind of thing. Okay. So um, 
My website is groupxtraining.com and on there... We'll put a link to it in the show notes so that people can just click on it. All good. Yeah. So on there, you can do all of your level two, lots of level three and level four qualifications, but also there's quite a lot of CPD. There is actually a Breathing 101 priced, I think it's 20 quid at the moment, priced... There we go. (laughs) Yeah. So that you can just get everything you need to know. And then there's another one about, uh, you know, redefining the core, all this nonsense of pulling your abs in. That's the kind of thing that I've made a history of, just just re, re saying different things to what everyone else says and, and thinking about what you're actually saying to people yeah. and telling them to do and accepting that it's ridiculous and learning to laugh at the fact that most of the <laughs> yeah. things that come out of your mouth are ridiculous, yeah. not hanging on to them and going, no, it must be true. I can't do anything <laughs> if I don't pull my abs on and switch my core on. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, the totally. most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So there's lots of that. I teach online at group gxtstudio.com mm-hmm. and I'm on social media as Jane Nichols and GXT all over the place, even Perfect. TikTok. Ah, yeah. Okay. So you're ahead of me. I like, I have to say, I have been holding off TikTok and I I know that I have to go there because I'm seeing all those graphs on my LinkedIn and social media and everything saying that that's where, that's where all the discoverability is and where everyone's going. I just don't want to. (laughs) This is my, this is what we need to do a podcast on you. The second person today. I don't want to. I'm on it. I never go on it. Yeah, and these these rules that we've created that we all have to do on social media are bizarre because if you <laughs> don't want to, it's not going to work, is it? Yeah, totally. I'm like, oh, I don't want another social media platform. I mean, not not suggesting that I don't waste a whole lot of time on the existing ones, but I know, I know that I don't really want to be there. I just kind of anyway. That you're right. That's a podcast topic for another day. <laughs> we'll put that one away. <laughs> um, I have to get a guest on to talk about how easy it is to create a TikTok because. I think that everyone um, that's listening to this who's not currently on it probably has the same approach as me, which is like, oh, I know I need to be there, but I don't want to. <laughs> I can tell you to get on now, Rachel Holmes. Okay. <laughs> TikTok queen? Social media queen. <laughs> queen of many things, but <laughs> social media. She is a, an enigma when it comes to um, indulging it and keeping it going with a passion. She's the only there person you go. I, I know. Mean, uh, Rachel and I have been talking about getting her on this podcast and what to talk about, so I might just have to hit her up with that topic now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I've set her up. Perfect. Again. Well, Jane, <laughs> thank you very, very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, we'll put links to all of the information you just talked about in the show notes so people can search you out if they want to find out more. Um, I know that I will probably see you hopefully at a live fitness event, which you're back on at some time in the future, but thank mm-hmm. you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been delightful chatting with you. Great fun. Cheers. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe for all the latest episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please drop us a review. You can also get in touch with me at will at shiftfitnesswithaone.com. I'm Will Brereton, and you've been listening to Group Fitness Real Talk.